Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. All right, everybody. So it's time for you to take your seats, and it's obviously time for me to take mine. In the spirit of community, I'm late to the podium. Once again, last week it was a hug that got in my way. This morning it was meeting some wonderful new people. So, yeah, it's good. It's so good. It's so exciting to be with real people. That's all that I want to say here. So uh, if you saw that transition video that I missed completely, (laughs) you'll know that this is that time where we're actually going to attempt to bring a teaching to you. Um, We're going to do it a little bit differently this morning because Mary and I are both going to teach. Mary's going to come up in a little bit, but our scripture reading that normally happens earlier in our gathering is going to happen right now. And I'm going to ask you, there's something about the Word of God, right? I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now, and I'm going to ask you to read with me. We're going to be reading from Ephesians and also Galatians. Read with me. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And now we've got Galatians chapter 4. No? Coming. This is the pause. Consider those words. And now please read with me from Galatians. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children, because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but a child. And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance, the word of the Lord. And you may take a seat, and I want to invite you to just consider those words. Consider them in the light of your life, your circumstances, your pains and your joys. We've been going through a series um, about words, words that we kind of throw around, kind of Christian words, but nobody ever defines. And so we all get to make up what we think that word means. And in this community, one of the words that we use a lot is the word adoption. You'll notice from the scripture that that word showed up there a couple of times. Adoption has so many facets to it. One of the largest facets has to do with community. 
and uh, how we operate as community. And Mary, uh, trying, come on forward, Mary. She's, gonna, she's bringing us her heart today. If you know Mary, you know that community <laughs> is the invisible tattoo that goes across her chest, right? <laughs> no, you know, you know that it's visible. <laughs> Says her husband, Denny. He, but if you know Mary, you know that she loves community and that she, um, I'm going to say, goes out of her way to invite you into community, to create community. And she has such a generosity of spirit as she brings us to that place that God is always calling us to. And you're going to get to hear her heart. And I'm going to go away until I come back. The, the mic is Mary's. I'm just gonna tell my husband that's the last thing you say. Okay. <laughs> that's my heart. All right, here we go. Um, let me start by sharing something that I heard from a couple a few months ago that started this ball rolling for me. They told me they came to Taco Tuesday two weeks in a row and awkwardly sat on their blanket and not one person came up to them. And I was really sad about that. And I started thinking, how many people are we missing like this? Like, who are we missing in our church pews outside on our patio at the Taco Tuesdays? So that's what I'm going to talk about. Two weeks ago, Ryan talked about being an ambassador at our church. Sorry, outside of our church. And we all have a lot of circles that we operate in. We have our work people and our immediate family and our extended family. And we have our sports people and our neighborhood. And we have our dance people. And we all know that we operate in all those circles. And they all require a different level of bandwidth for us. But I don't think we get a pass in any of those areas. I think the Lord says, in all your circles, you are called to be light and to show my love. So today, I'm going to talk about being an ambassador just inside our church family. I want to break down some of the words and phrases that we use here all the time at LBCF and what we hear in our culture and see where they fit into our big umbrella here at LBCF, which is learning to live and love like Jesus. First, I want to say something really crazy is happening in our world. Like, you blink and it's Christmas, and your next blink is your daughter's high school graduation, and I can't be the only one who's feeling this. It's scary to me. And I think about this a lot, this how life is short. And I truly don't think the answer is slowing our life down. I really think the answer is prayerfully and thoughtfully and intentionally looking at what's the most important things and then lining up our life according to that. So I'm going to share some things on my life list that in the order, in some of the important things and what I feel like the Lord's called me to do. Self-care and boundaries were absolutely not a part of my vocabulary growing up at all. And not until the last five years did that enter my world. And I can certainly see that place in healthy living. And most weeks, we read a prayer where we say this line, I've been obsessed with how I'm doing. And I think to myself, 
how much should I be devoting to self-care and how much to care for others? And what do I do in the tension of being in the middle when God asks me to tip the scale toward one or the other? And let's talk about a phrase we use here at church all the time, church family. What do you think about that idea? What does it mean to you? Well, I'm guessing you can think of times at another church or maybe our church where you felt super connected in. You felt like part of a family. You had your people. You knew what events were happening. You were part of it. But I'm going to guess maybe you've been on the other side of that where you saw this elusive, how are they all together and I can't seem to get in. I don't know how, what the pathway is to connecting in. And we all know what that experience is like too. I just heard a story about a family from our church that's really connected. But when they first came to our church, um, she was, the mom was working Sundays, and the dad came with their two little girls, and he sat in the back of the church every week. But there was one guy from our church who every week talked to him, every single week. And that helped them connect in. And I think to myself, I want to be that guy. I've heard people say, I'm not getting anything out of church. Hey, I've said that myself. We probably all have. And it reminds me of this overused quote that I grew up with by John Kennedy, where he says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Close your eyes and just in your own head answer this question. What do you want people to experience when they walk in our church doors? And then answer this question. What part do I play in that? I'm reminded of this scripture in Isaiah 6, 6, where the Lord asks, who will go for us? And, I, and Isaiah says, send me, Lord. And I think how often I say, send someone else, Lord. A few weeks ago, Pastor Danny shared about us laying our life down for one another. Let's slice that a little thinner, because I don't think I'm going to ever be running into a burning building to save somebody. So what does laying down my life look like? Well, for me, it looks a lot like doing what I'm not comfortable doing or what I don't prefer. It looks a lot like showing up to church a little early to talk to new people or to get up off my blanket at Taco Tuesday and talk to somebody else or signing up to do something I'd rather not do. Maybe it looks like working in children's church or staying late to help tear down when all I'm thinking about is that I'm hungry. Ryan talked about our church value being a widening table, and we hear that all the time in our culture. But you know what that means, guys, right? We all know that. A widening table means you have your people, and you invite someone to join in that isn't part of your people. That's how the table gets wider. I know that being comfortable is a very, very big buzzword right now. It is part of the culture. It is part of our church. 
And certainly, this has been an extraordinary year of discomfort on so many levels. So let me talk about something uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, talking to people we don't know. Meeting new people. Okay, look. I openly confess, I am the XX extrovert. And you guys know that. And meeting new people is my favorite thing to do. But let me tell you how I do it. I did it this morning with <laughs> these guys. I just walk up to people and say, have I met you before? How did you find us? Do you have a friend here? I say all three of those little questions right together. And I've never had to say one other word to anybody to start a conversation going. So I asked a few other people, and Marcy said, well, I just asked people, are you newer here? Because she goes, I don't really know how new they are. Maybe I just haven't met them. And then when they tell me their name, I try really hard to remember their name so that next week I can call them by name. Let's not underestimate how awesome that is when somebody remembers your name from week to week. Um, my daughter Erin said, I just walk up to people and say, hi, I'm Erin, what's your name? Um, another guy I know, when he's awkwardly trying to make conversation with other guys, says, have you seen any good movies lately? Here's the thing. I don't think it really matters what your script is. It's not the mechanism. It's the desire to do it. Because the mechanism we work out. And it gets easier the more you do it. And then following up to chat on subsequent weeks is really important for people to feel connected in. Ryan talked about this two weeks ago. He said, sometimes it feels easier to do ministry outside the church where you're not going to see the person again and it's one and done than it is to really plug in with somebody in our church family where there's some expectation of like having to continue that. How true is that? <laughs> and I think on some level, we all know our church patio is like one gigantic junior high lunchroom. And we all know what that's like. And we all know what it's like when someone asks us to come sit at their table. I've had this idea for several years. You know how we normally just sit in the same place every week at church? And I thought, what if we just gathered the phone numbers of the people who we sit by every week at church? And then when we didn't see them for a couple weeks, we could text them and say, hey, I've missed you. Where have you been? Looking forward to seeing you next week. And, and what about if we texted them before Taco Tuesday and said, we're going. Are you guys going? We'll meet you there. That would be so easy for us to do, guys. Okay, just two more points. If every one of us at church upped our game by 10%, that would be huge. Think of the ripple effect. A more engaged experience would lead to more vulnerability, more connected, more working shoulder to shoulder, more being in each other's lives in meaningful ways, more ministry outside our church. Danny and I were talking the other day, what if it really was like that song, they'll know we're Christians by our love? What if that was actually what drew people to the Lord? And what if you don't even have an extra 10% to give right now? What if you're under the waterline in your life? Then those of us with more capacity get to reach for you. This is your time to be the receiver because that's how family works, huh? But here's the number one thing for me, church family. I love, love, love that every single week my grandkids get to hear Miss Mary say, you're loved and chosen by God. 
I can't think of anything more important that I want them to hear at this stage of their life. But guess what? We all need to hear you're loved and chosen by God. And I wish God set it up differently. I wish it rained down from heaven like fairy dust, and we all knew that we were loved and chosen by God, but it doesn't. We know that we are loved and chosen by God when we are loved and chosen by the people in our life, and that's you and that's me. My heart cry is that you and me and everyone that we meet gets it in their deepest heart, in their deepest soul, in their wildest joy, and in their deepest pain, that they are loved and chosen by God because it flows from us to them. Thank you. Mary, that was so, so wonderful. Thank you so much. That was so, so wonderful. You guys, you know, the root word of the word adoption, which is the word that we're kind of unpacking today. I have two pairs of glasses suddenly. Okay. Um, the root word from adoption is the word option. So consider that. When we're adopted, there was an option. When we're adopted, we're chosen. It's on purpose. It's not accidental. And God adopts us. And as his hands and feet on this earth, we get to adopt one another with full confidence that we all together will reap an inheritance. And that inheritance is actually God himself. It's the kingdom on earth. It's what Mary is talking about that we can create in this community if we're willing to choose one another and to choose God. And uh, God makes that so much, so much easier for us. Um, so I prepared five pages, and we should be here for another three, four, five hours. That's good, right? And this morning when I was, uh, because I prepared yesterday late afternoon because of Pastor Danny going to the hospital, it was not my turn to preach. And I prepared, and I did, I did all my research, and I diligently printed everything out, and this morning I read it to, oh, by the way, the elder who's leaving you is my husband, and he's, he's really cute, even, he's adorable, he's not leaving you, though, he's just leaving the elder board, um, so I, when I read all this to him, he went, yeah, that was good, sweetie, with the, you know that, you know, he was standing in front of me naked, holding up a cup of coffee, and he's like listening to me and he's going like, yeah, yeah, that was good, sweetie. I, I was not convinced, but, you know, it's like, okay, it wasn't good. Maybe I'll look at it some more. And um, then he went wherever he went and I went back into my office to my computer and I started looking at the five pages. <laughs> and then he walks in, he's still naked. And he sits down in the chair in my, uh, my home office, and he says, you know what, I don't think you should say any of that. I think you should just give them your heart. Because, Barbara, you know all about adoption. You know all about the God who adopts each and every one of us. Maybe he didn't say those exact words, but it was something like that. And then he left, and 
I'm not sure when you got dressed, but... I've always wanted to be adopted. I've always wanted a mother and a father. And even though I had, like, some natural parents, um, they, had, they had their own issues. One of the things that I will always say to my husband when I watch him be with our children, and I've said this to you guys so many times, is that when, you, when I watch you parent, I'm so jealous because I never had a father like that. But there are fathers in this community who are like that, and they are willing to father me. And they're willing to father you. And when I think about moms, you know, it's kind of amazing. I watch, like, Marcy Douglas is an amazing mom. I just watch the way that she is with her kids. And I feel just like this little bit of jealousy. Like, how come I never got a mom who came to everything? I remember I couldn't be in Girl Scouts because my mother wouldn't come. So they said, I'm sorry, if your mother doesn't show up, you cannot be a Girl Scout. So I missed out on that. Um, I always longed for parents. I longed for siblings. I longed for cousins and aunts and uncles. And I didn't have any of them until, I don't know, I met this crazy guy. Jesus Christ is his name. And I love, uh, I mean, are any of you guys watching The Chosen right now? Because there's this crazy way that he chooses his disciples. First of all, as a woman, I love that he chose a woman first, and she is with him the whole time. And it's fictional, and yet it has these amazing biblical truths that run all through it. But when he chooses the tax collector, Matthew, who's just a little bit prissy in particular, and all the other disciples look at him like, oh, no way, not that guy. How is that like... Jesus, and how is that like a real community where we get to choose one another, um, not because we're the same, but because we are one body who is loved by this good, good Father who looks at us and sees. You know the way Mary can see? The way so many of you can see who sees, looks into the eyes of Maya and says, you're so beautiful. Come. Let me take you someplace. Let me take you out for a hot dog right after the gathering. But um, Whatever, right? We get to choose one another. We get to help the process of adoption by hopping each other in and buying chairs and benches to put on the tables that we already have so that there is room for more, like Mary said, so that there's room for more. The church has come into this too late Because Paul's message in Galatians, especially chapter 3, but I couldn't put too much scripture up there, in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, no slave nor free, nor male nor female. God doesn't care who we are. He doesn't care if we're LGBTQ or 72. He doesn't care if we're small children or old men, naked with coffee cups, telling their wives, no, I had to go there. I'm going to, before we take communion together, where God wants to feed us his body and blood, which is what sustains us to do the work that we're called to, I'm going to just read you this little thing that was in a Richard Rohr devotion this morning, because I think it's right and very, very fitting here. i got to move five pages out of the way to do that. I was even going to read you guys from the Westminster Confession, just so you know. 
but I resist. Richard Rohr wrote this this morning, and this is from one of his older books. He says this, savor these words. Let them sink into your ears, through your brain, down your throat, to your heart, to your stomach, the seat of your emotions. We begin a great adventure. We begin something new. The promise is upon us. God will give us something new. All we have to do to come with is hunger, which we all have for hot dogs, but we're going to get to that really quickly. We have, we have to come expecting and wanting something more than we already have now. I'm going to read that again. We have to come expecting and wanting something more than we already have now. We get what we expect from God. When we have new ears to hear with, God can speak a new word to us. When we no longer expect anything new or anything more from God, for all practical purposes, we do not really believe in God. God now, today, this moment, wants to speak something new to us. When we have an understanding of the great themes of Scripture, the whole book from Genesis to Revelation, we see it as communicating a divine pattern to humanity. One basic message is finally communicated to all spirit-filled people who enter this faith dialogue with the Scriptures. The message of the good news is this. Like Mary said, and Mary Dorset says, you are loved. You are unique. You're going somewhere. Your life has meaning. That is all grounded in the experience and the knowledge and the reality of the unconditional love of God. This is what we mean by being adopted. Amen and amen. So I have a scripture I want to read about communion from 1 Corinthians. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, he did say something after supper. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. But the other thing that we're doing every time that we eat this bread and drink this cup is we are receiving our adoption we are being loved by the spiritual presence of a real God who walks beside us, in us, through us, all the days of our lives, who never leaves us and never forsakes us. Even when we find that we aren't chosen, he says, yes, you are. He says, you are beloved. He says, taste of me because I am good. He says, come and see 
He takes us to the water, but the interesting thing about going to the water, I'm quoting John 5 now, is that, is that he does not put us in the healing water. He only asks us to arise, stand up, he says, get in it yourself. So where is God leading us today as a community that is adopted through his love? And let's come together. Catherine, come. She's going to help serve communion. Come and take. Come and partake of all that God has for you. Our worship band is going to play some songs. Just come forward. We still have COVID-friendly communion, which means that there's a little wafer on top, and there's grape juice underneath, and the grape juice is kind of good. I licked my little cup the last time because it was nice and sweet. So, uh, yes. Father, God, and Holy Spirit, could you please speak to each of our hearts the way only you can? Can we be hearing you? Can we be hearing you whisper, whom shall I send? Can we say, here I am, Lord, send me? Can we be hearing you whisper, you're lovely, you're beautiful? Everything about you is delightful. I made you in my image. There is nothing broken that I can't touch and heal. May that be so. Let's worship and take communion together.